2: cycle madhouse presented by insane throttle biker news hosted by none other than well, right now i don't feel too agreeable everyone's favorite online personality the thorn in every real side james hollywood macicari and his partner in crime double barrel suck me sideways. And how you doing? I'm James Hollywood Machikari and welcome to this episode of Motorcycle Madhouse. I'm here joined today with uh, Double Barrel. Going out. And today we're going to talk about some fun stuff. We're going to cover a bunch of subjects uh, going on out there in the regular biking world. Maybe some rallies and uh, one interesting topic that I actually did a story on today was electric motorcycles. Electric motorcycles. (laughs) And You know what, Uh I actually got into the Zero R, or no, it's the Zero S and the SR, Mm -hmm. and I found it funny that a 10-year-old company is kicking the shit out of Harley-Davidson, who's going to be almost 115, has all those years of production (laughs) and engineering experience behind them, and only can make the live wire go 65 miles an hour, where this 10-year-old company puts 225 miles on You know,
0: I don't... Yeah. I don't know. You know, electric motors are very efficient. And they can create a bunch of horsepower instantly. Anybody who... It's like a
2: jet engine, those things. Well,
0: anybody who looks, you know... Anybody who looks at any... Or knows anything about electric motors knows that, you know, as soon as you touch it, they start moving. You know, there's no... You know, it needs to suck oxygen and then whatever. I personally i think motorcycles in general have just gotten away from what it was in the first place and what the whole point of it was so i don't know i look at the electric i could see where they have a point i guess if you live in the big cities and you don't go that far and you just want to boogie around back and forth i get it
2: Well, what do you think of the range of what was it, 225 or 223 i just said and you can plug this thing in a regular socket and it'll charge overnight, <laughs> or you can buy the accessory, uh, battery tank, mm-hmm. where it a quick charge in a, just a couple hours.
0: I can't imagine batteries would last that long if it only charged in a couple hours.
2: Well, uh, it's actually a, a new design where you put it on there and it's a quick <laughs> charger, and it charges right off a damn, uh, outlet. Well, And think, this thing has more horsepower than a thousand cc.
0: Look, I think, uh... Electric bikes are never going to take the place of a person who rides, like rides rides, like um, like um, what is it, uh Chuck? Yeah, Chuck
2: Hines. That guy, that dude rides. <laughs> well,
0: he does, you know, he does like a five hundred mile deal in the whole night, <clears throat> and he rides in the desert and and over shit. And I don't know how well that bike would handle all that. You know what I mean? Plus,
2: well, they actually got electric dirt bikes now, too. Well, I know they
0: do, but those are actually dirt that's It's right in the name. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> but a street bike and a dirt bike or whatever, like Chuck, he, uh, he, he kind of combines them. You know, he goes where he goes, and that's the deal. And uh, I don't know if an electric could fit that bill, because as I saw from him, and I, I hate to bring him up, like, continuously bring him up, but what reason why I am is you can go watch his YouTube you know his channel, and you can see what I mean. Is he goes to like uh, you know public land and camps overnight? There is no plug,
2: <laughs> you right. know what
0: I mean? <laughs> so I don't think for that type of rider it would be okay. Um, but for a city guy who doesn't go that far, I could see where they have a point. However, I got mixed emotions about battery powered anything because this all started with the save to earth bullshit. And what people don't understand is what's on the other side of the electric cord, if you get what I mean. You know, like, uh, dude, this was probably like four or five years ago, but I remember watching this news thing where the guy pulls up an electric car and he's protesting some sort of uh, power company, but he's in an electric car. (laughs) And I'm like, wow, dude, you are a special kind of stupid. Uh,
2: Hypocrisy (laughs) runs deep, I guess. But he
0: was just sitting there talking away in front of this fucking power plant, but they showed his car about how he's so, like, I'm like, dude, you are fucking stupid. (laughs) But nobody called him on it either, so.
2: I don't know, man. I can't just, you know, help thinking that, you know, if they're doing 223 miles now, in five to ten years, the possibilities.
0: Yeah, but what I'm saying is, is there's no way if you go to a public, gr- all right, if you ride, like ride, ride, all right, you go camping, you go whatever. These guys that have the trailers behind their bike and shit, and they're going far distances and popping all their crap out of the trailers or strapping it to the bikes. I used to use a, a like an old army bag
1: right. that
0: I'd strap to the sissy bar, and it was great as long as you kept water repellent, like. You know, because that fucking canvas would soak up water like a sponge. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> what I'm saying is, is those type of guys, I don't see how that would work. Mm. It wouldn't. Because there's no plug where they're going, usually. Unless you're willing to pay for, you know, a powered fucking, you know. And then you might as well buy hotels, you know. Right. Because <laughs> <laughs> some of these campsites, man, they're like 40 fucking dollars.
2: It's ridiculous. Yeah, and it's like, and dude, that's yeah. primitive, some of them. Right.
0: So that's like forty fucking dollars, or you could go rent a motel for sixty. Oh, what? (laughs) what?
2: So, you know what Chuck does, man? And uh, you know what? It's actually a damn good idea, man. He just camps out right in the back of uh, the truck stops.
0: Right, but I'm sure a truck stop would have a problem if you plugged in your bike every time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
2: you know. If they're charging nine bucks a shower, yeah, I think so. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know. And you know. <laughs> I, I think electric bikes are more geared towards the younger the younger generation because they're trying everything and anything to try to get s- these kids into the biking thing. <sighs>
0: yeah, and I, I, I get it. I also think though uh, that for some reason we're not trying to make better riders. If you get what I mean, we're trying to make the bike do the riding for you. Right. And I think that there's a lot of problems with that. Because, like, uh, I forgot what company it was, but they made the one with the gimbal at the bottom to where it would stay straight up.
2: Right, right. Okay. Wasn't that Yamaha? Uh, that or BMW. One of the one think, of, you know, those BMW. futuristic concept ones right right, right. like Tron bikes. Now. now, you
0: see, my biggest thing is, is, look, we should teach people how to ride. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? Not make the bike do it for it. We're having the same problem with a car. Mm. You know, a lot of cars, like Parallel Park, themselves. Well, how about we just teach the guy
2: how to parallel park? Right. Oh, come on. You wouldn't want a a fully automated car? No. Jump in the back door. no, because uh, what if that
0: deer that's not fully automated jumps in front of my ass? (laughs) Then I fully automated smacked his ass. (laughs) No. That's too much fully automated going on. I'm just... I'm not going to do it.
2: So, you know, the future ain't looking bright for you, then. (laughs) Well...
0: (laughs) Look, you know what, they came out with fly by wire, they said it was impossible for it to fail, and then we heard that they were failing. <laughs> um,
2: Did you see that one thing I put on the website, man, where it was actually a motorcycle drone?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is right.
2: that the future of Harley or I what, don't man? Know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Look, you know what though? I'm a big I'm a big Evo guy. You know? Carburetor and I even like chains because Look, man, it, you can always fix your shit. Or you can bullshit it together. Mm. You know? <clears throat> people with points. The old fucking, you know, points.
2: The old points. Carry a
0: fucking matchbook and you're good. <laughs> you always get that fucking work. Alright, but, yeah, they had their downfalls. Now, like I said, I we, we talked, I don't remember how long ago, we talked about, like, the old shovel heads and shit. Look, they're not meant to do what what people are doing right now. Do they do it? Sure. Right, But... You know, they had their overheating problems. They had their oiling problems. They had all those problems, and then the Evo came out and they fixed it. (coughs) Cool. You can, like, old all you want, but you're not doing, like, in in the timely manner that people are doing it right now. You're not going across the country in, like, a couple of days with one of those. You're going to take maybe three, four, or five days to do it because you're going to have to stop maybe earlier or let it cool down or whatever. You're just going to have to do it. And trust me, I've owned shovels, and yeah, you got. I don't
2: give a shit. It's <laughs> gonna happen. You imagine no. if they did what the motor or the automobile companies did? You know what to get Harley right back on the fucking beam if they come out with a fucking updated panhead.
0: Updated? Oh, to make it look like it? A
2: fully production. You know how they did the Boss with the Ford, and you know the Dodge. Yeah.
0: The- look, you can make any motor look like anything. That's what Indian did. You know, they just made a motor look like what the old motor looked like. You can. It spurred
2: sales. I mean, you imagine well, if, a pan, or or sales if you had a, <laughs> if you had uh, some production pan heads come out. I think Harley had them lining up the door.
0: I don't know. I don't know because I think they're too worried about the future technology and all these kids want. You know, a, a bike to tell you when to take a piss, and I, I don't. I don't know. I really don't. So. Who knows what the hell the future is going to bring I know that uh, I, I know Har Man Harley's got to figure it out the They, Harley's they heard do it. They got to figure it out and
2: You know what's funny is Whenever I write about that Harley uh, Fiasco going on all the hardheads Out there well fuck you And fuck that and it, It's real funny you got to look at the problem They're having they don't understand That our generation Is starting to get out of it where they can't get it replaced with the newer generation. That's their problem right now.
0: Well, a lot of our generation is getting out of it because, you know, people are trying to kill them. There's more people on the roads right now. And uh, you know what? even goes back to the car. They're relying so much on the car, they're not learning how to drive or use their mirrors or whatever. Most kids nowadays mm,
2: don't even know how to use a stick, stiff.
0: Most kids don't know how to change a tire. (laughs) What the hell are you talking about? (laughs)
2: And we wonder why Harley has a problem.
0: Well, again, but you know what? A lot of these companies are trying to make it so the bike does it for you. And I think, man, I just think it's a bad idea. I really do. You know, it's no different than uh, I know in car sales. And I know it's true that uh, stick shifts aren't selling like they once were at all. And it's because people don't know how to drive them. Right, right. So, and you know what? Let's face it, a bike has a clutch and a whole nine, same principle.
2: Except for you're doing it with your feet and your hand. Well, I'm surprised and they haven't came out with more production grade freaking automatics yet. Well they have come out with automatics. Well I'm talking mass you know. Oh mass, mass, mass them? Them. I I don't know.
0: You know, maybe it's not cost effective or maybe that would put that bike at like, you know, we're gonna see eighty thousand dollar bike. But I can't imagine an electric one's gonna be cheap either, so Well the electric
2: one was ten, the MSRP was ten nine. Ten nine. Yeah. Yeah. Well. That well that was the zero R and the RS. well the R S was uh sixteen I think it was. That's right. the bigger production model. Well
0: the problem with that is is nobody knows, you know, how long the batteries are gonna last or how much those are to replace and shit like that. Like everything needs maintenance and is gonna need maintenance. Right. So I kinda look at it as the prove it part. Like it's after you know, let's say after like five, six years, you know, these guys are still riding these around. Yeah let's face it there's fucking there's flatheads still running around there's knuckles still running around there's all these you know and yeah they have their issues and yeah they have their problems but they're still running around right right right. let's see if the electric shit will do that right that's the big one so yeah it's it's to each his own hey you know if that's what you want that's cool right you know scooters have been automatic since forever i'm talking about real scooter
2: it's been an automatic forever. Just turn the <laughs> fucking shit and off you go. Yeah, you see those on the college campuses all over the place and stuff like that. But, uh, you <laughs> yeah, know, besides yeah. the electric stuff, uh, how do you think the rally season's looking this year? You know,
0: I think it's actually a little too soon to
2: tell. Yeah.
0: I, I, really I know the weather do. here
2: in Chicago sucks. We're going to have snow next week again.
0: Well, you know, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know what? This is this is the Midwest, and until <laughs> until what May <laughs> you know, until May is when you're pretty sure of it,
2: right? You know? <laughs> so
0: you know, I don't know.
2: Kind of makes you want to move out to the warm weather states, man. Nah, you know, I can't do it. I, I just, don't know, I don't man. Know, I'm getting I tired can't... of the cold, man. You know, I'd like to go out to fucking New Mexico you know, what, or.
0: <laughs> it wasn't like Texas getting snow and Georgia yeah. and all them fuckers getting snow. Yeah, but the and shit
2: melts the next day.
0: They still get it. <laughs> you know. So, I I don't know. I, you know what it is, though? It is too soon to tell. Like, a lot of the, um, you can say the rubs, yuppies, whatever, doesn't matter. A lot of those guys are getting out of it. You know, so I'll be kind of, and now... um, you know, I know Sturgis is starting to put that no colors shit together, from yeah, what I understand. There's been a lot of and,
2: out cries on that stuff.
0: <clears throat> well, there's a lot of these things that are. They're putting no colors on. And. I don't know. You know, uh, I think they're going to think that the Rubs or the Yuppies or whatever are going to. Continue it. And yeah, the only reason that most of this shit is so outrageously priced is because they've been involved in it. I hate right. to say that, but it's true. Exactly. You know, they're willing to pay $80 for a fucking t shirt. Yes. You
2: know, know that you know it costs noise. all. Well, you know, it
0: costs all like eight bucks, you
2: know. <laughs> right. It's eight bucks they get their million now, they're what, a $70 profit off and that shirt eight, off You of know them. what? May we all
0: be so lucky. But, uh, no, you know what? It's true, though. I mean,. But we'll see how it goes. And we also know that every year, the police presence at every fucking rally, it, like, triples.
2: Daytona was horrendous this year. But, you know, for bike week, I was And there. those
0: are the ones that you knew
2: about. Yeah.
0: You know what I mean? The undercovers. I, I love it. When, uh, like, uh, some clubs, they do, like, a big party or whatever, and they're like, no cops, you have no fucking clothes standing there. <laughs> Come on. But... <laughs> Look, it, but you know what? It doesn't really matter because I don't. Nobody's really doing anything wrong. I know, contrary to everybody's belief, but nobody's usually doing anything wrong, right? They're just bumming around and living it up. And, well, you uh, know what? I don't
2: understand is why the clubs just don't start boycotting these pl- these places like Sturgis.
0: I, uh, you know, I uh, really don't.
2: Why I give them the money.
0: I don't think that's a big enough threat to these people that put on Sturgis and Daytonas and all that. I don't think it's a big enough threat because. Right now, there are so many rubs, yuppies, and whatever that go to it. I don't think it'll really affect them that much.
2: What kind of uh, impact you think the rubs are going to have in the next five to ten years? Oh, I don't fuck, think dude. much, man.
0: I, I my crystal ball ain't working. I don't know, <laughs> man. You know
2: what they they came in in the mid nineties, and now you know they're starting. to... You know what? That's why the. You know, new sales for Harley Davidson are dying out because they'll buy a fucking bike, and next thing you know, they'll put it on the market with only five thousand miles on it.
0: Well, yeah, but uh, at least they bought the bike. And, <laughs> but now ride. they're we not can, even right? <laughs> now they're not even doing that, from what I understand. But I've noticed a lot of guys, hell, a lot of Harley riders, man. They they went over to use Goldwings and shit like that. And as much as I despise the Goldwing, even though I think the motor's kind of cool, but. Uh, Hey, you know what? That's a hell of a fucking touring bike. Yeah, And the guys that are running around fucking on those things, and it's kind of like the BMW guy. You know what I mean? You get these, uh, what are they called, uh, like uh, road and dirt BMWs. <laughs> I've always said it, man. The BMW guys ride more than all of us. Yeah. Uh, you know? And it could be snowing like a bitch, all right. And there goes BMW guy, all right? and and he looks like a dumbass with all his. I mean, he looks like a light bright character going by you with his orange and right. bright green. And but you know what? Doesn't matter. He's well, ain't just, that
2: saying something though? That you know, you know what? I got an old one, fat boy, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm into boulevards. I'm in the fucking midnight stars. You know, they got some good bikes in metrics. Oh, they do. Um... <clears throat>
0: what what is well you know we got the indian invasion right um
2: uh, see i'm you not really much into uh, indian i'm talking a metric end
0: no 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 i'm just saying as far as the the competition well yeah you know what i'm saying you got the indian invasion you got uh look, look yamaha and their big twin that's a pretty damn good fucking motor exactly And it's a damn good trans it's a good drivetrain and yeah they're actually getting up there in price you know,
2: that's because they're coming more popular
0: now, <laughs> right? Um, the Goldwing, uh, Goldwing has always been kind of pricey, but uh, again, look at the bike that you get. You know, I, I can't say much like the VTXs or the Hondas. I was never a fan of them. Mm. I, I just wasn't. They had a lot of issues, but you know, hey, there's still guys running around with those uh, Triumph and their little comeback
2: that they're trying to do. Triumph's actually coming out with some good ones. They had, what, uh, the America and uh, what other one? Well, they had
0: the uh, Bonneville and all that. Well, the Bonneville
2: and all that type of stuff, yeah. But, I mean, there's a lot of choice out there now. There
0: is. You got the Suzuki Boulevard.
2: uh, Those boulevards I love. I I love a boulevard. Do you? Yeah, I love them boulevards.
0: Uh, I was never a big Suzuki guy, but, you know, hey, Whatever. (laughs) <laughs> I, I really don't give a shit what you're right Right. I really don't. You know, one of the... <laughs> I get in arguments all the time. One of the most bulletproof fucking engines that I've ever seen in my life was in a Sportster. Well, yeah. I, it's the same fucking motor they started with, and it just keeps going.
2: <laughs> it's does. <laughs> you know, call them what you want, but damn, they're strong,
0: and they yeah. just keep running.
2: I don't know. I think cross-country, it would have to be a Goldwing, man, if I was going to go on a cross-country. Yeah, well... Yeah, I mean, teaches them. Yeah. You know, I know
0: Indians really nipping at the fucking Goldwings tails with all the shit that they got going on with that with the windshield and all that crap. Mm. They they really are. I mean I know they're they're taking some of the market. But you see, I think this all depends on the company. The company in itself. Because the company is the best for fucking themselves, it's scary. So if Honda came out and said, Oh, we're changing the Goldwing completely to something totally different Well, then there goes that. Right. You know. They, they, uh, uh... What the hell was that damn thing? What was the gold wing that was... Didn't have a fairing? Um... Uh, that can't. ugly
2: looking little No,
0: no, no, uh... Damn, I can't remember the damn name. Anyth- any other time I could.
2: <laughs> um,
0: sorry, everybody. I'm sure you'll you'll put it underneath the way Yeah, yeah you'll is. figure it out. But, uh... The, uh, but that was a cool bike. You know, it didn't have all the fairings and shit like that, but it still had that six motor in it. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's look that everybody makes something cool or whatever, and everybody should try to go within their budget. And I don't think anybody should really get scoffed at for that, right? I really don't.
2: You know, I think those days are long gone. I think everybody's over that except Uh, the older guys.
0: You know. I, I never was a big guy on uh, the Crotch Rockets, Rice Rockets, whatever you want to call them. I never was a big guy because I got a dick and balls and I don't like laying on them for that long. But, <laughs> you know what? There's guys... You that'll...
2: can't beat the speed of them, though. No, you can't.
0: A hundred percent. There's guys that have no issue with them either. Uh, I, whatever. I,
2: I love abuser. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> fuck. Here we go with
0: this. Yeah, the Ibusa and the fucking Nacati and blah, blah, blah. Quarter
2: mile, man. (laughs)
0: Yeah, but last time I checked, you know, a trip out out west was not a quarter mile.
2: Well, yeah, yeah. So,
0: I I don't give a fuck how fast I get there as long as I get there. That's my (laughs) biggest thing. So, as long as I got something, and that's why I like my Evolutions, man. I know I'll make it one way or a fucking other. I'll make it. Right. (laughs) You know, so, well, whatever.
2: I don't know. I'm planning on going down the Shreveport this year, and uh, probably Texas. Yep. Making some good trips down there, camping out on the side of the road and stuff like that.
0: You know, man, it's hard to camp on the side of the road nowadays, though. Yeah. And no, oh, some of these fucking towns, man. I don't know. Some of these cops too, man. They don't want you on there doing <laughs> that shit. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's sad. It, it really is sad. I mean. Because I think a lot of the generational gaps that are happening is you used to be able to do that. Hmm. Like we always talk about with like the 1% didn't necessarily meant that you like uh, broke the law and did right. all this shit. You just kind of wandered around and you did, did your that. own thing. Yeah. And a lot of that you can't do anymore. You really can't. Like uh, you used to be able to like go to a farmhouse and they always got that part of the field that's still wooded or like a divider. You go to a farmhouse and ask nicely or whatever. Maybe they wanted to help you bale hay or whatever. Right? <laughs> and you could ask them, "Hey, you mind if I set a tent there for the night or whatever?" And they would let you. Now, shit, they'll shoot you with rock salt before they even get to the damn door. Right? But, but you know what? And that's another thing. Everybody's so happy to sue everybody. Yeah. It's kind of hard to. Uh, I mean, you get there's there's a lot of fucked up parts of the world, so <laughs> I I don't know I, you know i know back ah, fuck i'm gonna say in the 90s easily the 90s man it seemed like every farmhouse had
2: lemonade and biscuits (laughs) every single one of them no it has ar-15s ain't that your ass trying to come down the road it's always
0: gonna be the double barrel shotgun always gonna be it that or the the pump shotgun
2: right yeah yeah wow
0: but, you know what? I can't blame them. Well, we live in a world where McDonald's got sued for hot coffee.
2: Yeah. Uh, PC world now, man. PC <laughs> world.
0: It really but, is.
2: Uh, well, that's cool, man. We got to talk about some electric motorcycles and stuff like that in the next segment. We'll have an interview coming up. Uh, until then, uh, here's a commercial, and we're going to take a short break right now. I'll see you on the other side. Hi, ah, this is James Hollywood Machikari, host of The Biker Angle over on Insane Throttle's new YouTube channel. Take a second and come over and check out the new channel with shows like the boss with peter big pete james and my show the biker angle the new insane throttle youtube channel is focused on everything biker where we take on the tough issues facing the biker community and rally and event coverage as well come join in the crazy conversations put your two cents in so put that damn beer down and get over to insane throttle and subscribe Shit! Get the prospect busy and make them hit that subscribe button for ya. Just subscribe! You won't regret it. www.youtube.com backslash c backslash insane throttle. Be there! You are awful, but I like
0: Hello. President. We're sorry, we missed your call. Hello. Is this Mrs. Dick? Yes. Oh, what's your first name? Anita. Okay, so what's your first and last name together? Anita Dick. How many dicks do you
2: need? <laughs> I don't. I don't get what you're trying to ask me. You said you needed a dick, right? Yes. I, no, I do not. Whoever this is, hang up, you son of a bitch. You son of a bitch. Hi, this is James Hollywood Machu Cartery, host of Insane Throttle's Motorcycle Madhouse and Biker Angle over on YouTube. If you're looking for up-to-date biker news, then Insane Throttle is the place to be. Daily editorials and news that's dedicated to the biker scene. Come on over and join the number one internet biker news site at HardlyLiberty.com or come over to Insane Throttle's newest YouTube channel for Biker Angle, hosted by myself on Sundays and The Boss, hosted by Big Pete James on Thursdays. Be there. Hi, this is James Hollywood Machikari, and this is Motorcycle Madhouse, and today we are joined by Casey the Pitbull gotro <laughs> And we're pretty excited on the Madhouse today because uh, Casey is the one who gave Abel Reyna the fight for his life and went to a mistrial with jake down in waco and today we're going to be talking about uh, some of the events that surrounded waco as far as police investigation how they were able to uh... actually get away with uh... arresting that many people without having a proper investigation and casey's one of the best legal minds in uh... houston area i believe that's correct houston and uh... You know, going from Houston to Waco must have been uh, something else. But uh, let's get right to the show because we don't want to waste our time and stuff like that. How you doing, Casey?
1: I am fantastic. How are you?
2: Uh, we're doing great and we're real excited to have you on today. Uh, having- can you give the listeners a little background on uh, your law, what you specialize in, and all that good stuff?
1: Sure, sure. So, I practice almost exclusively criminal defense work. Um, I've been practicing law since May of 20, 2005, so almost 13 in lawyer years. Um, you know, when I started my practice, I, it was sort of a hybrid. I did just about anything that came through the door, but the longer that I practiced, the more I realized that, you know, the fight, like the civil rights fight, that, that happens in a, in a criminal courthouse. And so I've focused almost exclusively on criminal defense, I'd say, for the last five years, six years. Um, I have a very small caseload. You know, there's some lawyers that do volume work. We'll have 20, 30 cases open at one time, and that just flips me out. Like, I tend to have one or two really, really big cases, and it's all that I do. Um, And so that's actually how I came in contact with, uh, with Jake's case. Oh wow, wow. Okay, I
2: gotta ask this question. What's your favorite college? You, a, you a Texas steer or I'm i I'm, Nor- I'm a I'm a Notre Dame fan.
1: University <laughs> of Houston. I am a Cougar. No pun intended, <laughs> but it's Cougars
2: all the way. <laughs> Cougars all the way. Okay, yeah. Well, we can <laughs> agree on that. That's a good college. <laughs> but uh, okay. Uh, the burning question that everybody asks, especially. For people that's outside of Texas. Like, I know it's real big here in Chicago because we just don't understand how it happened. Uh, how were. It didn't seem like they did any type of investigation before arresting 177, I believe, people.
1: How's that yeah. even possible? Well, I'll tell you, it uh, it's not. It's not possible. And they're actually was an investigation, a pretty significant investigation. The issue is what was turned over to the defense because that investigation, like most of what I have discovered, I've discovered post-trial. I have been impressed and grateful and and shocked sometimes at the folks that have reached out to me after Jake's verdict. Uh, Some of them citizens in the biker community, some of the members of law enforcement that aren't comfortable with what's happening in Waco. Um, But I know now that approximately 258 people were interviewed after the shooting at Waco, 258 people. So, you know, basic math there, I'm going to say there are like 70 of them that weren't even bikers. They were just witnesses, third party disinterested witnesses. And the law enforcement establishment has done its dead level best to keep those witnesses identity and what they what they said at the time of the investigation Hidden.
2: Hidden. Wow. Well another thing that really because I've watched some of the video footage and it's clear that a lot of people are running away from that scene. But they ended up getting charged anyway.
1: You know, what 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 has what I have discovered, and again, this is based on things that came out at trial, and then the folks that I've spoken to, because you know a lot of cases have been dismissed now, charges have been declined. Um, on those folks who weren't indicted and then on the folks who were indicted, they just had their charges flat dismissed. Initially, uh, the plan had been just to arrest a handful of people. Like when, when they rounded up everybody and took them to the convention center, the goal was just to interview folks, find out what happened and then kick them loose. Um, and then Abel Reyna entered the picture.
2: Can you give our uh, audience a little background on Abel Reyna? I know they get an earful from us at Insane Throttle and uh, Texas Biker Radio, but uh, I think they need a outside legal mind to uh, give them a little insight on uh, what he's like and his personality.
1: Uh, <laughs> um, what is Abel Reyna like? So my first time, I've been in I've been in Texas since 1997. My first trip to Waco was the first appearance that I made on Jake's case in March of last year. It's the first time I'd ever been to the city. Um, So I certainly never practiced out there. I had a lot of colleagues who did and I I really entered that jurisdiction kind of, kind of green, uh, cherry some might say. Um, I was wildly impressed with the ease at which Raina would lie on the record, and I mean I'm not talking about a white lie. I mean a whopper, a whale. And as officers of the court, you know we have a higher we have a higher duty, um, a duty of candor in a courtroom. Um, and so, it, it, look, I know defense attorneys get a bum rap, but I, I take a, a lot of pride in what I do. I think that it's an honorable profession, and both sides of the fence. I think it's an honorable thing that we do, and to watch. Just again, the ease at which he lied, lied to me, to the court, which was was breathtaking. And once I caught my breath, it became infuriating, infuriating. I have, you know, my responses in court were they get I get tons of memes. And, you know, my mother's seen that video of me just losing my shit because I can't I, I, I just I'd gotten so tired of being lied to. Like, do you think I am an idiot? I'm paying attention to everything that you're saying. And so the it's ego, it's narcissism, um, and it tells me that that he has gotten away with that for a very, very, very long time for him to come into that courtroom in a case of this scale, with this much national global attention, to think that he could continue to, 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 to do that. And I'll tell you that he did a he did a he did a pretty he did a decent job of of building these sort of Chinese walls about which prosecutors in his office got which information. Um, Poor Michael Jarrett, he was the assistant district attorney that tried the case against me. There were probably half a dozen times where he looked legitimately shocked at evidence that was being turned over to me in the middle of trial because he'd been arguing till he was blue in the face that it didn't exist. But the one person who's always known it existed was Abel, was Abel. Wasn't uh, you know
2: that you bring that up? You didn't find it out until post trial. But ain't there disclosure laws down in Texas, just like everywhere else, where the defense has to uh, be provided the
1: evidence? Oh yeah, oh, oh yeah, and and they're understand. It's called the Michael Morton Act. There've always been discovery rules, and the Supreme Court is a ton of, of precedent about what has to be turned over and when. But we recently enacted a, uh, it's called the Michael Morton Act, and it was named after a a man named Michael Morton, who was uh, innocent and imprisoned for 27 years for a murder he did not commit, Uh, largely because of the shenanigans that went on in this trial and Jake's trial had happened in Michael Morton's trial. But in Michael's case, the real killer went on to murder another woman, to murder and rape another woman. And so Texas, the legislature responded appropriately, and they passed the Michael Morton Act, which outlines in detail, everything that defense attorneys are supposed to get prior to trial. James, I can't convey to you how important it is to have that information before you open your mouth as a lawyer. You know, I I got a lot of flack from a lot of people when I waived my opening statement. I didn't have a fucking opening statement to give. I had no idea what the evidence was going to be. You know, they inundated us with crap, useless crap. Those terabytes of discovery, worthless. Every late disclosure that they gave me during trial, however, critical, undermined the state's case, impeached their witnesses, beneficial to Jake's case every single time. You know, so around the 30th time, don't tell me it's an accident. Don't tell me it was an inadvertent oversight because that's bullshit. So, yeah, we, we've got laws um, and that district attorney's office thumbed their nose at those laws over and over and over again. And frankly, so did Judge Straubel. Who was the first judge uh, that we got recused? Um, I will say that 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 Judge Johnson, he was he presided over Jake's trial. I feel like we got a very fair trial from him. You know, even he saw how ridiculous. I mean, he was very, very, I would say, angry with the state a handful of times because we kept having to send the jury out because here comes this bucket of evidence, right? It should have been tendered to me. How long ago? Let me tell you something else that I found out. So there's the Waco shooting, right? But anytime an officer fires his weapon, there is a uh, an officer shooting investigation that goes along with it. All of the discovery that they've been doling out to us since May of 2015 was available and ready and turned over to the Texas Rangers by February of 2016. All of it. And they've still just strung it out to us. Even today, we still don't have all of the evidence that was given to the Texas Rangers back in February of 2016, two years ago. Why do you think that is?
2: Wow. You know, it it actually sounds like, and we put this in some of our articles, in Chicago, we got what's called the democratic machine. And Mm -hmm. it's pretty bad in Chicago if you ever came up here as far as politicians, judges, and stuff like that. But it sounds like more of a Republican version down in Texas, where yeah. it's the good old boys. And some. I, I actually sat and watched Jake's testimony on YouTube. He was cool, calm, and collective. And you could see right there that the evidence pointed to self-defense, in Absolutely. my opinion, anyway.
1: The man had an over-under two-shooter Derringer. If you're going to a—I mean— you, that's not a weapon you bring to a shootout. It, it just isn't.
2: No, and, and for our audience, Texas has uh, open carry, don't they?
1: Yes, they do. We have open carry now. I don't believe that open carry was in effect at the time of Twin Peaks, but we've always had a traveling presumption. If you're traveling from your home jurisdiction to another county, you can bring your weapon with you. You don't have to have a concealed permit. You don't have to have anything. You have an absolute right to bear your arm when you travel out of county and the reality is that point in time the bandits had 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 bullseyes on their backs they were being targeted left and right on that particular highway right around waco both on the north side and the south side and so it would have been foolish of anybody to travel that highway without a weapon given what the cossacks had been doing up until then
2: well that's another thing we i we don't understand well especially in chicago because i talk with uh big pete he's uh, one of the contributors here at insane throttle and he was also the regional vice president of the outlaws and yep. when i was with him and the pistons and stuff like that if we went to an event the cops kept us in the 81 separated they never allowed us in the same area so right. we go and say well this should have never happen the cops knew about this why they let the cossacks around the bandits were a part of the coc The Cossacks weren't. So what are they doing there and why are you allowing them there in the first place?
1: That's a very good question. I'll tell you this. um, In March, March of 2015, the COC had had uh, one of their larger meetings in Hondo, Texas. And the organizers uh, had received a tip from law enforcement that the Cossacks had intended to show up at that meeting and interrupted. And so what the organizers of the COC did was they hired private security in the form of off duty Hondo Police Department officers to provide private security for that entire entire event. Nobody showed up. The Cossacks didn't show up. The COC paid these off duty officers. I even had the chief of police for the Hondo Police Department under subpoena um, to testify at Jake's trial. but never came to that. But the reality is they had the capacity to head it off at the pass, and they chose not to. They chose not to tell Sandra Lynch or any of the other organizers of the COC about what was going to happen.
2: Will that put them uh, civilly uh, responsible at this point? When did they actually know something was going down? Because people are saying
1: a day before or a week before. Uh, I think it makes them criminally responsible. Uh, and I don't make that allegation lightly, Um, some of that surveillance footage is harrowing. I mean, there are children playing in front of Don Carlos moments, moments before these high-caliber rifles are just whizzing bullets at folks. Um, I think it's criminal. I absolutely think it was criminal. The Sheriff's Department, the McLennan County Sheriff's Department, And the Department of Public Safety, those two names are very important, had been circling Twin Peaks since at least April, showing up with jail vans, calling in dispatch about a potential civil disturbance that never came to fruition. But make no mistake, they were hoping it would as as early as April. Jail vans showing up at Twin Peaks. There's a call that that, um, I got this in an open records request. There's a call that goes into dispatch. From DPS saying, and this is in April of 2015, um, saying that the bandits are at Twin Peaks and there's about to be a fight. And it's called a civil disturbance. There's no offense report of that anywhere. That was never tendered to me in, in Discovery. Nowhere. You know what happened that night? Mark White ends up getting arrested for an un, for a, for unlawfully carrying a, 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 a gun that I think was his mother's that had been in his car or in her truck. Um, but the Department of Public Safety, DPS, lion sons of bitches, every one of those ag- agents that testified in trial perjured himself, every one of them without question. And so when I asked you earlier, kind of, kind of um, rhetorically, why do you think it is that they've sat on this discovery, right? Why Waco has sat on this discovery for so long? I'll The federal trial. Right now in San Antonio, there are two men on trial for their lives. And I have never seen such government-sponsored perjury in my life. They played a, uh, uh, a videotaped confession of a man named Johnny Romo. No, Robbie Romo. Yeah, their brother. I, Yeah, I, as a lawyer, watching that confession, that is textbook coerced confession. Textbook. That man, I believe he's mentally disabled. Like, I would want to have him tested because he was clearly cognitively impaired. Clearly. And there were three agents in the room. And again, I've been sitting in the courtroom watching this. They played the videotape for the court three agents sitting in the room and one of them is literally feeding him facts, everything that he needs to know. Um, it that videotape needs to be used for officer training on how not to coerce a, a confession, uh, a false confession, a false confession. There's no way in fucking hell that Robbie Romo made that shot. I'm sorry. That, My was, invest-
2: that was a Chris, uh, that was a Kyle it, shot right there.
1: Yeah. He's, There's there's the inconsistencies and the statements he made to the to to law enforcement, watching that audio, watching that videotaped confession. It's false. So I, I kept asking myself, why the hell is Waco sitting on all this discovery? Why are they sitting on all this discovery? And I believe they've been doing it so that the feds can try the case they're trying. There's no question in my mind they've got evidence that would have benefited Jake, that they've got evidence that would benefit all sorts of people in Waco. And those and, – and Eric Fuchs, the prosecutor, the federal prosecutor, told me to my face, I have no obligation to give you anything. None.
2: And we live in America. Great. That's justice. <laughs> Just us. <laughs> right. Uh, you, you know, you brought up uh, – and I wanted to ask you this question because uh, we got a tip and there was, I believe, an ATF or a DEA agent that testified at Jake's trial where you asked him uh, where he heard where the bandits were an Outlaw Motorcycle Club. Right. And It
1: was, we, it
2: was uh, ATF. ATF. That's who we thought it was. And we uh, received uh, a text, and I believe we posted it because somebody got it off the guy's phone. But he was an ex-bandit out of Colorado, Involved in a couple other RICO cases. Uh, now he's the president of the Kinfolk Motorcycle Club, I believe. His name's Diesel, but uh, he was a bandito down in uh, Texas too. And I just wanted to, you know, clear that you did interview an ATF guy.
1: Yeah, Darren Kozlowski was the uh, ATF agent that. <laughs> so the transcripts aren't ready, but you know, when I was asking Kozlowski to 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 tell me, educate us all, what, what makes, what makes the banditos this criminal street gang, um, but not someone like Iron Order. What's the difference? And, and the, his rationale was, well, it's, it's the way they carry themselves. Um, okay. Like they don't fear law enforcement. And it was sort of a record scratch moment for me. And I was like, I'm sorry. Are you telling me as a citizen I'm supposed to fear law enforcement? Right. That makes criminal. If I'm not afraid of you. So it's 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 bullshit. Every one of those experts that testified, um, you had posted your website. You posted a a, a text message from a guy who reached out to someone about a sit down. He's an agent. That was uh, it. this is the
2: one I was just talking about.
1: What the hell is his name? Pearson. Doug Pearson. Yeah. That's him. Doug Pearson fancies himself an expert in motorcycle clubs and and the banditos specifically. Doug Pearson couldn't find his ass with both hands. I questioned (laughs) extensively. And the data that he uses, the data that his opinion is based on, is old. I mean, look, we're grown-ups, and we can all... I'll admit that the banditos have got a very colorful history, you know, running drugs and whores and, and all sorts of things were a part of who they were 30 years ago, 20 years ago. That's not the club that is today. So if he were testifying 20 years ago, yeah, I think his opinion might be worth something today. It's old data. It's old data. And, you know, keep in mind, Jake had only been in the club for six years at the time of trial which means he'd been a bandit for less than three. Guy's 38 years old and never been arrested, uh, drives a locomotive, is subject to random urinalysis, has worked at the same place for 20 years. I mean, it's just, it's, so Mr. Pearson tries to insert himself within your community, right? Acts as a provocateur when he can. Um, so that he can later show up in a court of law and pretend to be an expert on something that, frankly, at this point, is historical fiction.
2: Well, it really is uh, historical because the technology has changed so much. uh, You can't get away with what you did 20 years ago. It's just not possible to
1: do what we used to do. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I interviewed, he shall remain nameless, but, you know... I've been I've been a lawyer for twelve years and I've never represented uh, a bandito or any one percenter at all. So I had a crash course in your community and a lot of really cool people. I met David Devereaux Bill Sartell, Marshall Mitchell. Like I just met all of these really really wonderful guys. And I was interviewing this this fella who'd been in the club for a really 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 long time. And I asked him, you know, what changed because. The club today is not the club that was. And he was perfectly candid when he said Uniform Uniform Crime Control Act. That's what changed. You can't, you just can't do that and not expect to go to prison. Um, and so, you know, and it gives me goosebumps when I when I tell that story because there's this, again, I was new to your community, but there's this sense of community and this sense of mentorship and brotherhood. Do as I say and not as I did. Like, be be good, be better than we were. And it's really, it's a, it's, it's a beautiful thing, and it infuriates me that law enforcement has stuck a target on this community because you don't fear them.
2: Exactly. You
1: okay. <laughs> well, you yeah. know,
2: I'd like to get your, you know, since you were talking about that, there was a, and this ain't on Waco, but there's a sheriff down in Belusia County, Florida, during Bike Week that was sitting next to two FBI agents and doing an on-TV interview. I actually put it on one of the articles where he actually said MCs were domestic terrorists. (laughs) Is that something that, you know, regular citizens should really, you know, fear when the police can go out there publicly with a straight face and say, these people are domestic terrorists?
1: Yeah, they should. Um I'm going to rabbit trail here for just a second. I, I, I have, I've formulated my own opinion based on the facts as I've seen them. Uh, both starting from May, May of last year, March of last year until today, there's some things about your community that make law enforcement very uncomfortable. Number one, you don't fear them. You don't give a fuck, right? You ride very loud bikes. You wear offensive to them offensive stickers and patches, and they don't understand it, and it is human nature to fear what you don't understand. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that I believe there's a disproportionate number of veterans within the motorcycle community, and probably one of the most well-armed, legally well-armed uh, sects of society that is around. All those weapons that were seized at, at, at Waco 90% of them came out of locked glove compartments. That's not a crime. You can travel with a weapon in Texas. There are uh, it, it, dozens of them that had concealed carries but left their weapons in their cars. That's not a crime. The third thing, you all have the ability to show up in mass on pretty short notice. And so, you know, I get thinking about it and yeah, I can see how that would scare the shit out of law enforcement. That would scare absolutely scare the shit out of them because they can't be the bullies that they're used to being.
2: Right, they can't, right.
1: The, all those weapons that got seized in, at Waco, not a single one of them has been returned. So imagine you law-abiding citizen, right? You decide you want some hot wings or fuck, you just parked your car in a parking lot on a Sunday. The government, and I saw the GoPro, vi- played the GoPro videos in trial while Sergeant Vaughn was on the stand. Every Fucking one of those saddlebags was flopped open and dug through. And this is in the wee wee morning hours, Monday morning, like the sun was just coming up. There wasn't a single search warrant that had been gotten, not one. The government went into those cars, stole stole guns belonging to law abiding citizens, confiscated them, and has not given them back without probable cause, without so much as reasonable suspicion.
2: What are we? What what are well not only bikers but what are citizens supposed to do when a situation like that happens? Are we supposed to just sit back or
1: organize? Absolutely not. Organize, organize. You know, shortly before um, shortly before Twin Peaks happened, there's a man named Paul Landers. Uh, Paul was, I believe, one of the co chairs of the C O C and president of the Escondidos. I think I've got my clubs right. Paul had been to the legislature to testify about money. Every time you get your driver's license, your motorcycle license, or registration in Texas, four or five dollars of it was supposed to go to motorcycle safety awareness, okay? Bikers showed up in mass in Austin, I think in March or February of 2015, to protest that that money had been going to a general fund since 2006. That's damn near 18 million dollars. You know, you know who got to dip their beak in that 18 million dollars while it sat in the general fund? DPS. But with the testimony of Paul Landers and and the community activism, folks from the community showing up on their motorcycles, loud ass shit downtown Austin, saying no. That money is supposed to go to education to protect us on these streets. And that bill passed. That bill passed. And you want to know the sad part about it is that Paul Landers would have been sitting in the McLennan County Jail on that Tuesday morning when it was announced that the bill had passed. So when you ask me what you is what we as citizens can do, organize, videotape, audiotape, you know, they work. It is government for the people, by the people, and something something's gone off the rails in the last couple of years, and they've started thinking that that they own us, right? That, that we serve them, and that is could not be farther from the truth. So organize. Say no. Vote. Write your letters. Keep doing exactly what you're doing. Um, keep doing exactly what you're doing.
2: Uh, you, br- you bring that up. Uh, when you watch the video, now I know when there's any large mass protests or people start getting out of hand, they usually shoot off the tear gas and stuff like that. These guys went in there with two, two, threes and just started shooting.
1: Well, so I'm going to have to make some distinctions. There were your, uh, your rank and file Waco police, police officers. And without question, uh, those guys were misled about what was going to happen. Uh, a couple of months ago, there was an audio, it's it's surfing, surfing around on the internet where one of the officers Nikki Stone, her body mic, you hear her say, I thought we were supposed to just sit back and let them fight it out. What happened? Were you expecting this? Yeah. And when one of the one of the Waco PD cops testified, I mean, he was shaken up like when he got the call that this shooting. I mean, it was like if you can hear it, it sounds like a war zone. Um, The guy broke down on the stand like he didn't think he was ever going to see his wife again. These guys were not prepared to walk into the shit show that was Waco. Now, you want to know who was prepared for that? That would be DPS. They have lied about the number of agents they had present. And I hope they watch this video because I'm talking to you, Stephen Schwartz and Justin Overcast and Chris Dale and Chris Frost And the rest of you liars, right? They lied about the number of plainclothes officers they had there. They lied about the number of plain uh, unmarked vehicles that they had there. And once I finally got my hand on all the surveillance evidence, there are three men that triangulate between, between Twin Peaks and between Don Carlos. And if those guys aren't taking signals from the right side of the parking lot, then I am blind, deaf, and dumb. They were signaled when to set that fight off. And you see one man, one man walk behind a bush. And as soon as he gets behind that bush, pow, that's when you hear the gunshot. And then those three guys, those three guys walk straight the fuck off the scene. Off the scene. Under the, here, let me hold that police tape up for you. Chris Dale testified that um, when I asked him about that, when I asked him, Oh, yeah, I thought that he was, uh, I thought that, that that person was escaping. And so we got into a foot chase. David Razor's 400 pounds. That man ain't ever run a day in his damn life. Not once. Chris Dale walked him from the other side of Cabela's after the other man, William Flowers, got away, walked him straight back up to the scene and parked his ass outside of the, uh, outside of the, of the, of the police tape. So they lied. They were expecting it. They were armed to the gills. I mean, dressed. It, it it infuriates me when I think about it again because you we we have to, we have an obligation to be honest. You just swore your hand to tell the truth, the whole truth. What the fuck makes them think they're beyond that, above that, that they don't have to?
2: Uh, to me, it looked like a D- Gestapo action. Personally, after you're looking at the tape, but. What is it with Waco? Can you tell you know in the last you know couple minutes? What is it with Waco? They had not only this shooting, but they had one of the worst in uh, American history in '93. What is it with the thinking in Waco that causes this kind of stuff?
1: You know, James, I, when I when I took Jake's case, I I had a lot of people ask me, implore me to change jurisdictions, switch the venue. You got to get the fuck out of Waco, Casey. I really like the people there. Um, You know, I spent a lot of time there looking at evidence or trying to and just going to the grocery store and going to the gas station, but just good, salt of the earth people. And I think our jury spoke of that. You know, I wasn't even out of the, the, I hadn't even crossed the county line when one of our jurors found my cell phone number and texted me to apologize that they couldn't send Jake home with a not guilty because they had two boneheads on there. So the citizens, I don't think anything's wrong with the citizens, but that power structure, that thing is corrupt. Your elected sheriff, your elected DA, their wives and spouses and lovers, like there's that power echelon that is absolutely corrupt. And so I think largely the citizens are unaware. Um, but I will tell you this, since Jake's verdict, I'd say it's tapered off a bit. I only get one once a week. I've had so many people call me wanting me to help them with some other Abel reina special, some bullshit that he's pulled that's put their family member in prison for, for life. But this again, this wasn't the first time that this has happened. Um I think I think it's just well known in law enforcement that the power structure there will play ball. Come 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 to Waco. We'll play ball
2: with you man I'm actually coming down there to check it out this summer but a uh, uh, last question <laughs> wow that's just insane last question uh, do you think they're going to have uh, enough nuts to try to try or uh, retry uh,
1: Jake I can't imagine why they would do that you know I've said it publicly I'll say it again there is not a single witness that the state called that will be able to testify the same way again without lying, without, I mean, you're either going to say what you said in the first trial and let me impeach you, or you're going to have to change your story. And I mean in really dramatic ways. Um, You know, since Abel lost the election, I I don't see him trying anything. Yeah, from what I
2: understand, he doesn't even go into the office anymore. Do you think he's more dangerous now that he lost
1: and has nothing to lose? I think that... Abel was jockeying for some political gain by what he did. I think he was kissing some federal ass. And this has turned out to be a pretty epic embarrassment for him. It would not surprise me if he just, yeah, kind of went off the rails and said, fuck it. Here's your evidence. You know, I who knows? Who knows? He may just be getting drunk in a closet waiting on somebody to offer him a job. I don't know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, th- uh,
2: how bad's it looking for, uh, the boys Pike and Portillo right now with all these, uh, turncoats?
1: You know, you bring up a good point. This, this, this term snitch, a snitch is someone that knows something about you and then tattles on you, spreads your secret. That is not what's happening in San Antonio. That is some straight faced perjury, like, I mean, I've, I've just, I've never seen anything like it. Like, they're, they're talking about a murder in 2002 when Pike wasn't even the fucking president. Like, what? I, it, it's, it's amazing to me that our government is sponsoring some of the evidence that, that is coming out. Um, but you have to have faith in your jury. And I am reminded of this over and over again. There was just a case in Florida where a federal jury came back with a not guilty and excoriated the feds for not recording interviews. Um, I think it was that dance, that, that disco uh, shooting, um, and ended up giving a not guilty. So here's the deal, James. If you can smell bullshit and I smell bullshit, the jury smells bullshit too. They're very bright people and they pick up on things that even we don't notice. So well, that's what I'm hoping
2: because, you know, just reading it from the San Antonio uh, newspaper, it's like, wow, half of this stuff's unbelievable. You got a guy that appeared on uh, the History Channel Gangland that committed a murder years ago. What the hell does he have to do with Pike and Portillo?
1: <laughs> and, and and who's on the record saying that before he dies, he's going to get back at John Portillo. I mean, it's that so that kind of just, it's bullshit, for lack of a better word. Um, it's bullshit. I can't... It, It's. I've been sitting in the courtroom, and I'll tell you one of the things that sustained me in trial with Jake was the support that I felt from your community, just to add a girls and fight the good fight because it is exhausting to go to that courtroom every day and fight like that every day for weeks on end, and it's a little heartbreaking to me that. It's so quiet about San Antonio. You know, these guys have got phenomenal lawyers. Mark Stevens, his opening statement was hands down one of the finest I've ever seen. And he represents John Portillo. He and Robbie, excuse me, Ward. Dick Garen, phenomenal lawyers. So they haven't even had a chance to put their defense on yet. But it it, it saddens me that, that I don't, I'm not hearing the support and the go get them and the fight the good fight for these guys in San Antonio. It's almost like the trial is happening in secrecy. It's an open courthouse. I've been in and out, in and out. And it's, I'm just disappointed that, that it's gotten so quiet.
2: Right, right. Well, I noticed that because Insane Throttle was only one of the only ones covering all the snitching and trying to get through with it. And that is sad. Everybody out there, you need to start uh, getting out there and helping. (laughs) Just like we did uh, in Laco.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking about it. you. Fight the good fight, man. It's it, I can't I can't tell you just how much that sustained me. The smallest tweet, the smallest Facebook post, because it's it's these guys are not sleeping. You know, you get out of court at six, and they don't even tell you who your witnesses are until you leave. So you have to shuffle everything around, and it's there. It, it's war. You are at war, and it takes its toll. So yeah, some props, some heads up. I'm thinking about you. Keep your
2: chin up. Awesome. Well, in the the closing, is there anything else you'd like to put out there before we
1: get done with this segment? I just want to say thank you for letting me come on and vent and talk about what I have seen. I think it's important for people to hear it and to know it. Um, Police aren't always your friends, but I guess – that's pretty clear
2: now. <laughs> well, we are uh, nationwide, worldwide, actually, Casey. So if you wanted to give them your office number, if anybody needs a great lawyer, Casey the
1: Pitbull's the one you want. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you for the props. I'm pretty easy to find. It's I'm the only Casey Gotro on the Google machine. Awesome. So you'd
2: find her out on uh, Google, and you know we learn something new every day here at Ains- Insane Throttle about this and we're just you know real honored to have you on here and we're still pulling for Jake. You know, we're one of the big supporters of Jake. So we hope nice. he gets through it. And the rest of the people over at Waco, that got charged. You know, we got Angel out there. She knows who she is. That helps us out a lot with this. And uh, Texas Bell End actually did a story uh, and had you featured in it today. So <laughs> you're up awesome. on there for her. She uh, does a lot of hard work. But we really appreciate you coming on, Casey. It was just awesome. And we appreciate you being on Insane Throttle. Thank you for having me, James. Thank
0: you. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com.
2: Holiday tips and wine stories from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Did you know there are over one million bubbles in a glass of champagne? Here's to a whole lot of celebrating. Crisp whites like a floral Sauvignon Blanc pairs perfectly with shrimp cocktail and other light appetizers. Now that's how you kick off a holiday meal. Don't stress about choosing the right wine for a meaningful gift. Consider me your wine concierge. As you check off that gift list this holiday season, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection at Total Wine & More. Cheers!